When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, all right, all right. Here's another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Tonight, you got Joe and I, Russell's missing, but we're going to have some good content for you. We're talking about the fourth line, the lynch, the linchpin that is Blake Lazat. Who's going to be accompanying him on that fourth line? Where are the roster breakers coming in? Get in the chat, like, and subscribe because you know this is the only place for Kings hockey. And let's go. Man, it felt good to get that intro in. Uh, you know, I missed last week. You guys had a great pod. Uh, if you didn't Thank check you. that out, everybody that's listening right now, go out and check that out. We, they talked about the decor, um, you know, in, in the the bottom four and how that was very maneuverable. The power pair that is Roy Gavrikov and and how we see the young guys, the 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 Clark train fitting in and all that kind of stuff. So go in and like and subscribe there. But before we get into our heavy topic, that is the fourth line. Joe, how you been, my man? Not too bad. Listen, I'm always glad when you're back because, you know, it's it's not easy being in that host chair. There's a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of things you got to maneuver for people that don't know. Brandon does it really well. I'm always happy to fill in in a pinch when need be, but let's just say I'm happy when, you, when you're manning the uh, controls. Uh, how are you doing? Man, I appreciate that. And you gave me a, you gave me a sweet shout out on the, uh, the THPN Pacific. Um, I was driving and luckily I didn't hit anybody while I was trying to listen to YouTube and comment. I was, I was don't text and drive people. That's very tough. Uh, <laughs> I was YouTube commenting and driving. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I appreciate the the shout out there. It's it's I'm doing good, man. I'm just buttoning up all the Europe plans. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, I'm going to Spain and Portugal in the beginning of October. So I'll be unfortunately missing the first couple of games of the King season, but you know, I'll be in, uh, I'll be well in Europe. So it's well worth it. Uh, so just doing that and just living life, my man. I mean, football comes out tomorrow. So the big college uh, near where I'm at is TCU. They're playing Colorado, you know. So Deion Sanders is about to get his face kicked in in the in the in a major way, and um, you know, so it's just big go horn frogs out here, as they, as they say. But uh, you know, it's just it's just lifeblood out here. You know, you talk about lifebloods of a civilization. Texas is definitely football. Yeah. A new high school just opened up. They have like multi-million dollar high school like talking about indoor five thousand person arena for basketball they have an indoor football facility for the summertime when it's super hot um big arena multi-million dollar arena for football uh they have chick-fil-a and jimmy john's in their in their you know in their 
lunchroom for everybody. So it's just, it's just massive out here. Uh, and so that's going down. So look, if you just take that and put it into what college football means, it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different animal down there. Uh, you did mention uh, it briefly. Um, we, we did do, so we are, for those that don't know, we're a part of the, um, the hockey podcast network. And I was a guest on the Pacific division preview show. So for anybody that is interested in hearing not only, so there were, there were podcast hosts from the Calgary flames, the Vegas golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. So for anybody that is just curious about how they see the division play out. And I was excited to go on because I'm always curious to hear what other people other fans, other podcast hosts or whatever, um, think about the Kings. Like we all have our opinions. I always, I think it's human nature that we're always going to be slightly biased, probably toward our favorite team. Um, but it was a fun conversation. Um, and I thought it was, you know, interesting to see, you know, where they picked the Kings to finish in the division and how they compared to the other teams in the division. So uh, it was an interesting conversation. The bullet points there is they don't like PLD. They don't think he'll be Maybe a not. factor. They don't like our defense, and they absolutely think our goalie team is probably the worst in the in the all of NHLs. That's the bullet points there. But yet, we're going to prove them wrong and finish with over 100 points. So, THPN, better watch out. Uh, thank you for all our regulars coming here. Nav was in here 30 minutes before uh, saying be sure to subscribe, give a like, hit the bell, so you don't miss a second from the boys. That's right. It's Boys Town. Big season coming up. Go Kings. Go. Noah coming in here. Steak and hockey royalty tonight Ooh. is shaping up like a great night. I like it. I like it. How do you um, like it, Noah? How do you have your steak, Noah? Yeah, yeah. Snake, steak, is it medium rare? If it's not medium rare, you're doing it wrong. No, I'm just kidding. How do you like your steak? <laughs> no A1, I hope. Um, getting out there. How do you, fellas? Three in and three likes. Keep it up, peeps. Like, hit that like button. Appreciate you, Al Smith. Hey, uh, Al, Al Smith donated a, a lovely 30 bucks last week. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know, we crossed the threshold on YouTube for monetization, but that's not going to change Joe and I. We're still going to be the down-to-earth, fan-friendly uh, host that you know and love. But if you do want your comment thrown up on stage with no no exceptions, uh, we have that super subscribe, you know, donate to the podcast. We really appreciate you guys. If not, I hope I hit what you guys are saying. We always appreciate you guys in there. But if you really want your comment thrown up there, do the super subscribe and, and we'll uh, – and we'll throw it up there. Or the super chat. Sorry, super chat. <clears throat> Let's get into it here. Uh, I know you guys more. Oh, a trap got in here. Yeah, trap got in here. Uh, right in here. Oh, that's Al. Sorry, man. Got, got, got quick with the button. Every you guys are so quick on the chat. So Friday, I finally got here on time. Trapper 99. I appreciate that. Marco's saying the fact that we're still waiting for King's game to be televised worries me a lot. Yeah. Um, our uh, our third prong of the, the triumphant here. Is missing, but he wrote a wonderful article about that. Uh, so go read that at hockeyroyalty.com about the the travesty that is the media market here. I don't know if you saw this uh, side side thing, Joe. I don't know if you saw this, but the NHL wasn't that far off from gross income from Major League Baseball, yet the highest paid player is paid 30% less than the top player in baseball. So what do you think about that? Like, is there just are, is the NHL pocketing that income, or what's going? Is it just because the salary cap, the CBA, is that they're afraid to go up? Because obviously, open market in baseball, they're paid whatever they want. But I think, I, I mean, billions a lot of money there, Joe. I don't have a billion. I don't even have a million in my bank account. <laughs> but 
it was only a couple billion away for the gross revenue for the NHL and the MLB, yet the salaries are vastly uh, different. What do you think about that? Just on, I know I'm springing this on you, but yeah. how do you feel like the top four sports in in the United States shape up? It, it's it's a tough question because I'm listen. Full disclosure, not a business guy. Okay, so the revenues may be close. I I don't know enough about the business of it all to have a really good answer here. I mean, clearly though, the salary cap is going to keep salaries down. You know these these. And and I think in baseball, it's much softer. There is a cap or a threshold that if you go over, you pay a luxury tax. If I'm not mistaken, there's also revenue sharing uh, in Major League Baseball. So uh, there's this kind of spread the wealth a little bit more, I suppose. Uh, Again, that's my understanding. Um, And hockey, obviously, is not not quite set up that way. But listen, the, the, the salary cap is going to certainly keep things down. Hopefully though, we see this grow. Um, I don't know, you know, the other thing we've been seeing is, is a, if again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're seeing like a lack of ESPN, like the subscribers and stuff are going down. And obviously they're the, the, the new deal that was just signed by the NHL and ESPN and ESPN plus. And so what I love ESPN plus being an out of market Kings fan, I got the access to everything it's nice. So for me personally, it's fine. What I don't know is I don't know, like long term, is that going to be a negative or how does that, how does that go? So all, all this to say, not a business guy. I, I don't, I won't pretend to fully understand the business side of the, 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 the owners and the revenues and the leagues themselves. So it, it's tough. It, it's a good question. I would not have expected them to be that close, frankly, in anything revenue or, or, or whatever. I wouldn't have expected to be uh, even in the ballpark. One thing that I think the major league baseball can take away uh, from hockey is uh, a salary floor, right? So uh, as everybody knows, I'm an A's fan, uh, 20% of the league or mm-hmm. not 20% uh, over half of the, half the league has one player that makes more than our entire roster. You have the Angels who just dumped four or five players, uh, oh. cut them, cut them for, and they were players that they acquired at the deadline because now their deadline acquisition is is no good, so they're not going to pay them. There needs to be more, and I never thought I would say this for baseball, right? Because they're hundred percent of their salaries guaranteed, but I never thought I would say this is that there needs to be more player beneficial type things. Major leagues are getting paid more, or I mean, not the major league, minor leagues are getting paid more, which is great. You have minor leaguers making twenty thousand a year. That's which is way less, right? You're playing AAA baseball. You can't afford your family. But I just think for for hockey, where that rolls in is the salary minimum is great for baseball. Where I think that hockey can do better in in those sports is is finding. No offense to Conor McDavid, he's the greatest player in hockey, but he's not marketable in my opinion. Like I think he's dry as a cracker. Like you need guys that are able to bring in that kind of juice into that market and and bring hockey in. And then you need ESPN to do their part where they're advertising it all the time. Like we had no no I no no crap to you. I, I was watching the NHL draft and they were like, oh let's cut into summer league basketball. I'm like, dude, this is like a premier event for the NHL and you're cutting to basketball that isn't relevant. Like that's the kind of thing. Like, yeah, you signed the contract to have broadcasting rights, but you weren't really—you're not really doing anything with that. And I, I think 
I think hockey is I think hockey is a type of viewership that may never be mainstream, but the fans that love it love it. Right? I was just talking to a fan before I got on. She's like, I've never watched hockey before. I went to a live game, never gonna stop watching hockey. Like, right? We're gonna have to capture hearts one strand at a time. And it might never be on a mass level. It might be 10 years from now, but I think that the NHL should needs to do more. Well, I, 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 first of all, I, I certainly agree. You know, the, the, there's a lot of hockey players with, with fantastic personalities. Now, maybe not, they're not always the best players. So it could be pasta. Tough. I think pasta would be a great I think pasta. Look at Trevor Zegris. I think they're trying to really push Zegris as well. Yeah. Connor McDavid needs to be on, t- on national TV all the time. You know, and I, I remember Kings fans getting real annoyed, and, and we talked about it on the show. Yeah, because we lost that series. Well, but like ESPN really pumping up McDavid for every time he touched the puck. But you know what? That's exactly what they should. He's the best player on the planet. They need to get this guy out there. They need to get eyeballs on this guy as much as humanly possible. So even if he isn't the most marketable guy in terms of personality or whatever, there's different things that you can do for starters, just have him on TV more. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, I, I, it, it, cause you, they've had the same conversations in baseball too. Like nobody knows, probably could pick Mike Trout out of a crowd if he was walking around, you know, anywhere outside of Anaheim, it seems. So I, I think they have some struggles as well. And because you kind of still have that tug and pull of like new school, old school, where a guy like Zegris, much more flashy, a lot of different things he's doing with the puck. And some people kind of poo poo that. It's like, I think it's great. It's sort of why. I mean, the, the problem is that you're going to, those people that are saying that it's like going to take away from any sort of potential progress that's being made. Um, so I don't know. It's, I think you got to get these guys, you got to get the best players um, on TV as much as possible um, so people can see them. Yeah. Well, Al Smith coming up this first super chat of the night. Thank you guys. Well, I thank you, Al. I appreciate the 20 bucks there and uh, keep being a fan. You, here. We're going to keep pumping out positive content. Uh, Noah agrees. Al Smith, a legend in the in the the hockey royalty chat here. Well, we're going to get to every to that to that point to that point. I was just I was looking up this while while you were talking. At least because there was I don't know if it was last year or two seasons ago. Edmonton had like I think it was maybe with NBC, so it must have been a couple of years ago. Edmonton had like one or two national games. They have eighteen this year, I believe. That leads the league. So at least we're third. Five. Yeah, the Kings and the Kings are up there too. But finally, ESPN never likes to say anything good about us, which is surprising. So (laughs) you're finally seeing McDavid and Drysdale are going to be on there 18 times. Great, that's that's awesome. That should have been happening, and I don't know what they had last, but that that should have been happening for years. You look at it in the NHL or the NFL, right? You can have five primetime games. They have a CBA where you can have five primetime games, and then after I think it's week 13. The league can fluctuate that to add more primetime games. Yeah, that messes things up for the rhythm of the players, but they're trying to capitalize the amount of money they can have, right? They don't want bottom feeder teams playing on primetime. So the fact that, hey, Kings had over 100-something points, right? Mm-hmm. Put, them on, put them on the television. Conor McDavid yeah. is the best player. Leon Dreisaitl is the top five player in the league. Put them on primetime. I think they're doing what they can this year with the spotlights. Hopefully that gets it up. They need to have more hockey highlights in the middle of the day i think they're doing the they're on ice specials uh and not prime time so we'll see i'm not an executive i don't know all the numbers there but i think 
hockey is starting has the momentum when the next CBA will be interesting and how much the players ask for based on yeah. what I saw, what baseball players are making based on their total salary or the total league's revenue versus what the NHL's revenue is, is going to be interesting. So let's get into our favorite topic here. Uh, well, I know it's Joe's favorite topic is Blake Lazat, but it's going to be the fourth line uh, for this team. And I think the fourth line this year is going to stem with Blake Lazat, right? The, the mosquito in the net as, uh, many people have called it. He's uh, he's a buzz. He's a pest, but he's also offensively gifted uh, and being able to adapt in what it is. And, and Joe, you've done countless, if not exhausting, research on our uh, man, myth, the legend uh, that is not Al Smith, but it is Blake Lazat uh, here for the LA Kings. So get into it here. What is who is Blake Lazat? Uh, what is he as a player, and why is he a linchpin for this fourth line? How does he adapt to everybody around him? I know that's a lot of questions, Joe, but I know you've done a lot of research and you can respond. Well, I, I, I think for starters, he he's just a really smart player. So he's a player that he obviously, as we all know, he's a little undersized, right? He's not the biggest guy in the league. And I think as these guys get up in their careers, um, the smaller players, that is, they they kind of have to figure out other ways to do it. They may not be as physically gifted as, as others, so you have to kind of use your brain maybe a, a little bit more, and you have to kind of find other ways to to do things and to make things work and to make plays. So in terms of hockey IQ and the way he reads the ice, he's he's excellent. He's one of the better ones on the Kings, in my opinion. Um, he, he never stops going. You know, he's one of these guys that is just a constant energy. But I think what people – don't appreciate or don't understand is just how impactful he really is in terms of the offensive side of the game. I mean, this guy had 14 primary assists last year in a largely, largely fourth line role. That number is good for third on the Kings behind only Kevin Fiala and Andre Kopitar. He was second in point primary assist per 60 um, on the Kings. In terms of primary points per 60, he's in the upper third of the forward groupings. He was somebody that sets players up in terms of shot attempts. Tracking the 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 shot assists, excuse me, throughout the season, he, especially when he's on the fourth line, just utterly dominant. Every time he his line was out there, he was controlling the fourth line. Really where it started to slip just a little bit, it seemed, was when he was on the he was moved up to the third line a little bit and he was just a little less effective the higher up in the lineup he went but that's not necessarily his fault i mean he's he's an excellent fourth line center he can control the ice he sees the ice well he's responsible defensively um he just does everything well 200 feet and i think when you he's, look at he's chocolate chip ice cream there joe right like he's not he's not extravagant he's not different he's just does it well. He does it well for a long time in every single game. And no, nobody's sad about having chocolate chip ice cream. Yeah. Like in the guy, he, and this is, this is a year he's got, uh, he makes 1.675 this year. He's 25 years old. Um, he's an RFA after this year. For some reason, I actually thought he was a little older than that. So that's fantastic. I mean, the, the Kings are lucky to have a player like this, that they can be, that they can rely on this much in a fourth line role, because sometimes that fourth line, and we'll talk about it on the wings, can really fluctuate guys in and out of the lineup. To have a centerman as reliable and as effective 
as Blake Lazad is. This isn't somebody that's just, wow, he's a defensive forward, so you're never going to have to worry about it in your own zone, but he really doesn't contribute much offensively. He does contribute offensively. He's an effective player. So I, I think he's just one of the more unheralded players on the team, more underappreciated players in the league. Um, and he, you, I think you, you say it perfectly. He's a linchpin to that fourth line, and we're going to talk about here any number of players that can be on his wing. And I mentioned on, I think it was last week's show, or I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, I just don't hate Arthur Kalia being on that line because – Whoa, pump your brakes, man. We're, okay. You're getting too ahead of yourself. You're getting I, yeah, too no, I'm not going to elaborate on that at all. It's just because of the style that Blake Lazat brings because he's such a, an effective playmaker – on the fourth line, okay, you give okay. him a shooter like that, then it can be let's, very Let's get into that then. Obviously, the pest in the net or the you know pest in the tent was his moniker for a long time. He's a great four-checker, back-checker, pay-checker, whatever you want to call it. But let's talk about his offensive acumen. You talk about the assist per 60 and, and where he ranks in on the team. But why is he such an effective offensive player, even though he's not a goal scorer? Because he reads the ice well. I think he he reads the play very well. He We talk about it so often where – um, you know, we're waiting to see with Quinton Byfield, but the game kind of slows down a little bit for him so he can kind of make these plays. I think Blake Lazat sees the sees and reads the ice so well, the way he scans the ice when he doesn't have the puck, um, that when he does get the puck, he knows ex- more or less he knows what he's doing with it. And I think so much of that is what makes him such an effective player is his play without the puck and the way he reads the ice. So I, I think it's so much more of his brain than it is even his, you know, he, he's obviously a talented player. He doesn't have the physical gifts of some of these other guys, but um, he, I think it's his brain that really, that really accentuates it. Do you think that's where it ends for him? Like we t- you talked about a little bit earlier uh, to where he's uh, one of the top fourth line centers, but he's not an effective third line center. He's obviously not a second line center to where his physical gifts are limited, limiting him from progressing up the depth chart, but his, his drive, his will to play, his acumen, his intelligence make him one of the most effective fourth line centers in the game. Yeah. Um, so what I think would happen, I, I think last year is a, is a reasonable scenario where he's, if he's your fourth line center, you're in great shape. Um, but he can, if you have an injury or you have something going on and you need to shuffle things up and he needs to play a third line center role, like I think he can do it in a short span. I just, you know, the, the way the league is going now where there's just so much more talent um, in the league that these third lines now are not your third lines from 10, 20 years ago where they were generally kind of more defensive checking shutdown lines, you know, that these guys are, much more skilled players. I mean, look at, we're talking about Phil Deneau being a third line center for the Kings. Like that's kind of crazy if you think about it in some, in some fashion. So is it, is it, I mean, maybe, um, maybe, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that because he's carving out a role that is really effective. And, and in, you can make the case that one of the reasons why Vegas won the cup last year was because of their depth. They were really good in the bottom six. And I think you need that. You you need a really good fourth line center because come playoff time, you gotta have four. And we saw the Kings really, really struggle last year 
uh, in playoffs. They just didn't have the depth down the middle at all um, to compete with the likes of Edmonton, and they wouldn't have really competed as the, if they went forward anyways. Trapper comes in here and says 70 penalty minutes is a bit too much. Do you think that he's playing out of his depth? Is that's why he's is, is on the third line, I mean? No, I, I don't think that was it. I just think that there's times where he's an aggressive player. Um, he's he's going to be hard in on four checks. And, yeah, there's going to be times where he, that is going to lead to some penalties. Obviously, yeah, I think 70 penalty minutes is a bit much. Hopefully that comes back a little bit. But I'd rather have that and try to rein it in than try to drag that out of somebody, you know, his the way he plays. So let's let's get into the other side of the puck here on the defensive side. And that's where he got into it, right? The pest in the net, you know, mosquito, uh, all that kind of stuff. But what does he do so effectively? And and why and why is he why is that now everybody's hindsight for Blake Lazat, even though he's been doing it, you know, since he's been in the league? Well, what he's been able to do, I mean, and looking at his um, all three zones tracking just from last season, he is just excellent when he goes back to retrieve pucks because he, I think what helps him with his size, he uses it very well. He protects the puck really well, so he's able to retrieve the pucks. And again, I think this is something that, that if you watch, especially if you watch a lot of defensemen, and he's a center, so a lot of times he's the guy that's going to be back going in behind the net, going into the corners to get the puck. Watch these guys as they go in and do that, as they're skating into the corner, as they're skating in behind the net, you're immediately doing this. You're looking over your shoulder. Where's my pressure coming from? And you're, you're scanning your surroundings to say, okay, where, where is my pressure coming from? He, he's doing that as he's going and he's not panicking. I think some younger players, maybe a Quentin Byfield, for example, or a lot of younger players in the league where, they're, they're, everything's a rush, right? They're, they're, they're doing this and maybe they're not scanning properly. And by the time they get the puck, there's pressure and they didn't know where the pressure was coming from. They didn't know where their outlet was. Blake Lazat calmly was able to look. He knows his surroundings. He knows when he gets the puck that he's going to make a play, whether that play is he's going to eat the puck on the wall and wait for some help, whether that play is I'm going to chip it back behind the net to my D-man, or I've got room to make a turn and go up and out of the zone to my winger. He's able to do that again. That goes back to his hockey brain. What makes him so good at that? And his, you know, he grades out really well in terms of when he goes back to get pucks and retrievals. And again, he's just a smart, smart player. Um, and I think he uses his brain and I think he uses his body really well despite being undersized. So obviously he's he's the favorite to be 4C. Well, we got yeah. PLD, we got Deneau, we got Kopitar, obviously. So he's there we're gonna get into the wings here in a little bit but you know what's not in the wings is our sponsor here at hockey royalty which is DraftKings. so let me pull this up here college football fans are you ready for week one DraftKings sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't miss offer for the start of the season and starting this season strong this in new customers can bet just five dollars in college football and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets yeah that's right 200 stacks baby Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing you can lock in great offers is right now. Bet every single week on college football. Bet games. Bet spreads. All you can do at DraftKings Sportsbook. Life is more fun when you're in the action. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN because that's the only code you want to use. New customers can bet $200 
are can score $200 in free bets instantly when they just bet $5 in college football only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code THPN. The crown is yours. Let's get it here. Joe, who's your college football team? I'm going to be honest, not a big college football guy. But as a kid, I growing up, I liked Notre Dame and Michigan, which I think is a little odd. But um, I always loved uh, Michigan's helmets, and that was that went for hockey, too. Yeah, yeah, legit helmets. I mean, what what's the biggest team in New York? What, Syracuse? Uh, probably, yes. I mean, they're obviously much bigger basketball-wise, but uh, Syracuse, well, yeah. yeah. You well, be, they had, yeah, they had the, I mean, they had the massage therapist for a couple of years and they won a national championship, but you know, right. Yeah. Um, I, what I want to get to before we go into the wings is Marco Zane comes in here. If QB breaks out uh, a fourth of the season in, is it better to keep him at LD uh, or L wing one or uh, the rest of the way or experiment him with that four C and move Lazat to the wing. Now, obviously, QB was drafted as a center. The plans are him to play center. Um, all of us co-hosts here have different opinions on the move for PLD and why that affects QB. But ultimately, we see Quentin Byfield as a potential center of the future, whether that's 1C or 2C. Uh, Joe, do you think that his vision for this year is always going to be on the wing? Or do you think he'll get some play when it comes to the center position? Um, I think I think the centers are going to be locked in. Um, barring injury, something happens, then maybe if they meet, need to move some things around. I think Byfield right now, playing the wing a bit is going to take some pressure off of him, I think. Um, it's a little – he doesn't need to have as much of a goal line to goal line, kind of 200-foot you know, uh, approach to his game. Obviously he's going to be, they're going to want him to be defensively responsible, but I, I keep him on the wing right now. Um, I, I don't think that there's a need to kind of force the center position on him at the moment. You know, they moved him to the wing. It went really well last season. Let's see how it goes at the start. And then we'll just kind of take it from there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think I would move Blake Lazat to the wing for Quentin Byfield. I, I don't think I would do that. Right now, Blake, uh, for me, my opinion is that Quentin Byfield's not a center until yeah. uh, one of the big three retire, right? Like, you're not going to play him fourth line minutes for no reason. You him, know, him, him playing 17 minutes or 18 minutes on the wing is way better than 10 minutes on the fourth line center. And especially in the King system. So for people who, for people who don't, um, I mean, I'm not an expert, but who don't know what the system is for the Kings is they play the one, two, three system for the centers or for the fours. <laughs> Right, so first forward in is is the first forward. He's on the puck. The second forward in is he's support. So whether he is on the wall or taking off that defenseman, and then the third forward in into the zone is getting into a zone, whether he's a scoring or he has to make a decision to help uh, both the other forwards. So the Kings don't play uh, a center wing wing system. They play one two three. Whoever gets in the zone first has that. Now, obviously, you want guys like Byfield who have bigger size to, to get to the puck first because they are more likely to retrieve that puck. But ultimately, the center position really just comes down to uh, more one-on-one defensive responsibility, face-offs, all that kind of thing, where I would rather have Quentin Byfield playing 17, 18, 19 minutes a night rather than him playing 10 minutes a night on the fourth line. Now, 
now nah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, especially if he's if he's having another good season on the wing next to Kopitar and Kempe, which we assume is going to be how they start, then there's no reason to split that. Yeah, I, I don't split that. Before we – real, really quick, before we move on to the wings, just to, to, to tie a bow on, on Blake Lazat, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention he's a really good penalty killer too. I mean, looking at uh, hockey viz, I mean, the expected goals against per 60. Um, with him, the Kings were significantly better on the penalty kill. Uh, when he was on the ice versus when he was not on the ice. And that grades out true for in the defensive zone at five on five and in the offensive zone at five on five. They, they are a better team with Blakeless out of the ice, just period. So um, just to, just to tie a bow on him. Uh, Christopher coming here. Did the A's hat get eliminated? My, my faith in the A's got eliminated a long time ago, uh, <laughs> which is painful because they've had their best prospect. I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, Jalof, he was, he's a third baseman growing up. He's playing second base right now. He's mm-hmm. got the most homers for a opening prospect ever uh, for the King system. And he's only played half the season and I could care less, which is bad because they're my favorite team of all time. They're, they're my childhood heart team, you know, more than the Kings, more than the Niners. And uh, it's painful that I don't care at all for, for the squad. Uh, I, I feel for you commanders fans. Congratulations. Way to have an owner that gives a crap about your team. Who's investing in the team. Uh, all your fan bases that don't have that are uh, envious. So bang Jones coming in here for the go Kings go trapper goes. Yeah, right. There we go. Let's get into it here for the second part of this, which is the, um, the wings, right? So, King's got a lot of options on the wing. Uh, recently signed Trevor Lewis. You got Carl Grundstrom. You have, uh, you know, LaFerriere, which ha- got brought up late in the season. You have the skeleton that is Alex Turcott, who has been playing all offseason, getting muscled up. Uh, and and that's just a, that's a joke, which is, shouldn't be a joke, I guess. Uh, he's been injured rebuilt. But he's ready to go. Hopefully he gets that pu- uh, that run. And so, like, there's so many people there, which, um, you know, I I thought that the Trevor Lewis signing was weird, you know, and 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 all that kind of stuff. Like, you should ha- we have so many prospects that are able to fill that role. But then you were talking about in our middle six podcast, dropping down Arthur Cali Evanland, a prospect play on the second and third line that has an acumen of uh, a Fagimo, uh, a Laferriere, Chromiak, that type of that type of player. So let's get into let's just start here. Let's start with the base, the base level there, Joe. The base sure. level. Let's start let's start on the floor, the concrete. Where do you think the fourth line sits for most of the season? Where where's your starting fourth line? Is it a Grunstrom and Lewis? Is it where where is it at? And if you had to if you had to bet your uh you know your chicken uh chicken parmesan pasta on it, where are you where are you going? If I I'll assume for purposes of this conversation that Kaliev will find his way in the, one of the top three lines. I think just we'll say that. I mean, I've, I think I gave my opinion a couple weeks ago. I think he's a really interesting player. I think he will succeed next to Blake Lazat. So I don't hate it if that's the case. But I think for purposes of this, we'll say that he's in the top three. If I'm a betting man, I think Trevor Lewis is going to be on the right wing. 
that left side, I, I'm going to say Carl Grundstrom, but I mean, I'm looking at a list here. I've got Carl Grundstrom. I've got uh, Alex Turcott. I've got Akil Thomas, Anderson Dolan, Samuel Fugimo, and then kind of some wild cards of Chromiak and Lafariere. Like, there's a lot of names. And it said, I'm not even including Kelly Evan this because I'm just for purposes of this discussion are going to be up. But what I'll say in doing some kind of looking through some numbers, you know, preparing for this, there's a player who is top five on the Kings in goals per 60 at five on five, primary points per 60 at five on five, shot attempts per 60 at five on five, individual expected goals per 60 at five on five. Oh, I know where you're rush, going with this. Rush attempts at five on five. Oh, keep it hit, going. And hits per 60 at five on five. Keep Ooh. it going, my wax head, man. Come on, give it Ooh. to me. If you hit, that's Carl Grunstrom forever. I know it is. Tonka's well, my man. Like, and I, there, I've gone through moments where it's like, ah, I'm, I'm done. I just, I, I just seen enough of Grunstrom. But man, when you look under the hood, it's like he's he is good doing it when he's on the ice. Like, he's good. So, per, so. And he also led the team in hits, by the way, for all you size and, and aggressiveness guys. He led the team in hits. He led the team. In, and again, he, he he was fourth on the team in goals per 60. So, And I think that came with like a 9% shooting percentage. It's not as if this, you know, he was shooting, um, you know, 18% or something like that. Like it wasn't. Uh, 13.3. Thir- so high last year. Yeah. Okay, it was okay. My my, my I'm which I mean his his career average is eleven point four, so only a little bit higher. Okay, okay, so it was a little higher. I for, I don't know what it which was means at he's good time. at putting the puck in the net, man. Like that's good for his he, for he him can, the the minutes he plays. Yeah, so like I, I I'll be honest, like I, I I get like the Godfather, like just when I thought it was out, I'm get, they pull me back in, like yeah, I might Gabagool. There we go. I. I don't know how I can look at these numbers. And again, this isn't somebody that played like eight games last year. He played 57 games. He played more games than than Quentin Byfield played last year. He played more games than Arthur Kaliev. So this isn't like a small sample size. And we, I think we've talked about this before. Like he's been somewhat of an effective player. And I think a lot of us are kind of – I don't know if we don't want to admit it or we're kind of hoping for something else or somebody else, but for the time being, like he's kind of productive um, and he's kind of effective. I mean, he's not, you know, an all-star by any means, but I, I think he's somebody that can be an effective player on the fourth line next to Blake Lazat. Now, so, for, so, go so let's go on that. I, I, I think that fans like the flashy, you, you know, obviously we got spoiled with Fiala, we want the young kids to score, all that kind of stuff. But just doing your job, like Grunshan comes in every single day. I'm like, he's just, he hits people under the boards. He gets the pucks. He takes the pucks that he gets and scores them. Like, I, I, I just don't understand the hate for Tonka. Like, I really don't. Like, everybody's like, oh, he's tradable. Like, dude, you have a guy that's shooting 13% and he's making 1.7 million or so. Like, like, that's a keeper. Like, that you're, you need to play him more. And everybody thought that he was going to be a second-line player coming out of the playoffs last year, and all of a sudden he had a slow start, and everybody's like, oh, like let's get rid of him. Let's do all this kind of stuff. This podcast included. I'm a Taka fan. I'm all the way, through and through. 
And his play was bl- bad in the beginning of last season, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean he's a bad player. And you look at his stats, and it's like, man, this guy just he plays at every single level. He goes, gets pucks, he hits players, he scores goals, he he assists this this way. He's always on the ice. He's making a name for himself. Everybody notices him. Uh, you know that are real hockey players notice him because why? Because they're getting hit drilled. And I think though, I think he epitomized right. He was a Justin Brown. Everybody called him Dustin Brown Jr. And mm-hmm. in Dustin Brown's speech, he was like, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm on the ice when he was when he was young. And that reminds me of Carl Grunstrom. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows if you're on the ice, everybody knows Carl Grunstrom's on the ice because he's hitting you. He's scoring. He's a pain in the ass to def- defend and to get offense against. Like, all his acumen is there all the all the time. But yet, everybody looks at his base stats and it's like, oh, he's he's expendable. Uh, but but even so, you look at his base stats. He had more goals at five on five than Kevin Fiala. More goals at five on five than Trevor Moore than Arthur Kaliev. Obviously, Rasmus Kapari. Like where, like at this point, I'm struggling. How do I not have him in the lineup? How do I not have him next to Lazat to start the season? So where I'm going with this is, as of today. I kind of like Grunstrom on the left, kind of like Lazat in the middle. The odd, man one position. Me, the odd man out for me is Lewis, and I don't think it's particularly close, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I don't know. The signing was weird. I The only way I can justify it is that veteran, bring him in, Stanley Cup, all the feels. You can't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't understand the necessity to play him over any one of Fagimo or even Anderson Dolan. Now, perhaps if if Turcotte, Thomas can't stay healthy, right, and are not healthy to start the season. And actually, Turcotte, if I'm not mistaken, is a lot easier to move down because he is able to go down on wa- uh, you know his waiver exempt. So maybe they want to really kind of slow play it again. Like maybe I can see Lewis being around as a 13th forward, 14th forward, but he's not in my lineup to start the season. And and like if Turcotte's healthy and has a good camp and or Akil Thomas is healthy and has a good camp and or Samuel Fugimo is healthy, has a good camp, I'm including Anderson Dolan in there. I, I, I mean, I'm waving Trevor Lewis. I agree with you. I think, I think the Trevor Lewis signing – is like a Nate Thompson, Thompson signing, right? They signed Nate Thompson a couple of years ago. At the end, he was like, "Oh, like that'll be good veteran presence. Maybe he'll play for the Rain." Like, I think that's what it'll be. I think the fact that Trevor Lewis held cups for us is more like a heartfelt type thing. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't bring anything to this team no. besides penalty kill. Which, like, I know we were bad last season, but there, that's not a reason to give a roster spot to a fourth liner. His his he just looking at his his impacts his expected goals impacts per sixty like his penalty kill was fine but the Calgary was better without him his offense was a, an incredible Ferocious. incredible drain on the team at five on five and defensively he was he was he was good he was a, he was a fine defensive forward you got Blake Lazat Carl Grundstrom I mean. You, I just, I, I really, really, really 
don't see it right now. And again, this is August. Camp has not started yet. We'll see how things look in camp. But as we sit here today, Lewis is is among my admin up because again, I've got a couple of wild cards like in Chromiac and Laferriere. But given the numbers, I just I don't see it unless they have a monster, monster camp. Um and again, you know, I, I want to throw a little bit of a shout here to Anderson Dolan because he's been somewhat of a productive player when he's been in the lineup and getting ice time. He was another one that was top five in goals per 60. Um, Anderson Dolan had more goals at five on five than Ayafalo, than Trevor Moore, than Arthur Kaliev. Um, again, these guys that you just kind of overlook a little bit, but, you know, they're kind of – I, I, and you know I've been a big Anderson Dolan guy for a while now. But. I'm you, you and I are both like yeah. yeah. We, we started out, you know, the back in the days, the making it rain. Like we talked about Jad nonstop. Uh, by the way, everybody, uh, I'm, I might be starting my fantasy football draft here soon. So if I'm making picks in between, <laughs> CJ asked me for some advice. I sent him a sheet. He killed it on his draft. So thank you, CJ, for hitting I'm me up. CJ. Uh, if anybody needs fantasy football draft, I got you. I got you. But, um, but yeah, Jad, Jad, my my friend is an anomaly here. Like if he's the type of guy where I think he's Lazat adjacent or Lazat, like to where if Lazat wasn't there, he would be the four seed. Like he's the same player. Like he has good offensive acumen. He has got good intelligence. He he's not a defensive liability. He's not as much of a pest per se, but he has more offensive upside. I, I I think if Lazat wasn't signed and Lazat didn't play as well, like that's where you would find Jet. That could be. I think, and I think the difference is here. I think with a Lazat versus an Anderson Dolan, and I'll include kind of a lump Anderson Dolan and Grunstrom. I think Anderson Dolan and Grunstrom are how do I put this? Not results oriented, but they they. Well, they Grunstrom produce, is produce. You, just, they, you just you just produced a lot. What, what I and where I where I'm going with that is Lazad is Lazad is obviously productive too, right? I, I, I was saying his praise, yeah. but Lazad can drive the play. I don't know that either Anderson Dolan or or uh, Grunstrom are necessarily play drivers, which is why I think Lazad is a much better center option than Anderson Dolan. But I think they're effective pieces, and maybe it's not a good idea to have Grunstrom and Anderson Dolan in the lineup together with Lazat. Maybe it's Lazat Grunstrom on the left, and then you know a Fagimo or, or on the right, or a Turcot on the right, um, and then in another game, it's Anderson Dolan next to Lazat with the Fagimo or something like that. I've talked about Lazat as somebody who's that that just Swiss Army knife. He can play. He can play in the middle. He can play on the wing. He can play if you need him to. He's got the skill set to play up in the lineup for a few shifts or a game uh, even. And obviously he can play a bottom six role. So I am very comfortable in, with with Anderson Dolan. I, I think I, I just like this. I like having him on the roster. I've said this a million times before. Anybody that's listened to the show, he's like the perfect 13th forward because he's a guy that you don't have to necessarily – play every game but when you put him in you know you're getting a shift you know you're getting somebody that's going to be reliable but you know you're getting somebody that shit he might even chip in he might produce that game for you too because again I, I don't I think when you take a step back and you and you consider the fact that like he had more five on five goals than 
Trevor Moore and Arthur Kaliev. Like that's, he had as many five on five goals as Kaliev and Quinton Byfield combined and, and Byfield played on the top line all season. So it's like, and I'm not saying Anderson Dolan's going to be any sort of goal scorer or score 15 goals, but like when he's on the ice, he has been a productive player. So I, I want to keep Anderson Dolan around for that, for that. Now, again, it may end up being a numbers game, right? He, he may end up being somebody that gets waived, but I'm keeping Anderson Dolan over Trevor Lewis. I agree. I agree there. I think I, if it were me, Lewis would make the roster. I just don't think that he's. I agree. And again, listen, I get it. We all love Trevor Lewis. You know, this is not anything, you know, personal or anything like that. I love him. He was an impactful player for the Kings when they won the cup. He was an important player. He was almost John esque in a way. Uh, Swiss Army knife could play throughout the lineup, play center, play wing. Like, it's just at this point of his career, I, you know, I'm. I'm sorry. I hate to say it because I don't mean to sound like it's insensitive against Trevor Lewis. It's just, it's, it's not the same player that was here 10 years ago. So let's get into the, the offshoots here. Like the, the anomalies there, the Laferriere's, the Turcotte's, that type of thing. Where can the fourth line change? Where is the amoeba going on and how can that be different? You brought it up a couple of podcasts ago, right? Kalia Breen brought down to the fourth line mm-hmm. with a was effective with Lemieux, uh, can be effective with Grunstrom, that where you have scoring lines up and down the lineup. You could have the Grunstrom, Lazat, and then a, a, another defensive guy to have kind of that checking line nonstop. Uh, where do you feel like there's a a chance to poke yourself in? Obviously, we talked about Jack. Yep. We talked about Lewis. Where is there another player that you could bring in that you think that maybe could make a vibe for that fourth line that could – you could run the waves, as they say, like where you have that never-ending flow yep. of lines. Who's that player or who's those players? Boy, it's hard not to say Alex Turcotte, right? I mean, when he plays, he's got a motor, not unlike a Blake Lazat. And to see those two guys absolutely buzzing in the offensive zone, getting in on four checks, man, I, I really think that there's potential there. Um, and I think – in a different way, you could have somebody like a Samuel Fagimo who could be Arthur Kaliev-esque in terms of he's the guy scores. And when he plays, he scores. He's, he's a productive player. He's been a, he's got what almost 50 goals in the last two seasons in the HL. Um, so I think he's somebody that can provide more of that offensive threat. And again, like the, so that's where I wonder talking about like, different ways to look at this if if we just talked about grunstrom being somebody that puts the puck in the net now imagine somebody like lazat who's a playmaker with him and then an absolute worker bee and turcotte who's able to go win puck battles behind the net he's got plenty of offense. don't leave out my grunstrom man don't leave out grunstrom there him too but i'm saying like grunstrom is almost a guy that can also finish on that line more so than the other two Whereas if you have a Fagimo or a Kaliev, now maybe Grunstrom slides into being more of that four checker going and getting it, going getting pucks. And then, um, you know, that Fagimo or, or Kaliev is somebody that's a finisher. And I'll include Akil Thomas in this because, man, you and I both, I think, are pretty big fans of his. He can, he can shoot it. He's a really, he's a really smart offensive player. And I, I, I hope 
much like Kirk, and I hope he stays healthy. I would love to see him get an opportunity because I think he can be uh, a sneaky guy that can put pucks in the net uh, for the Kings in a depth role if if he's healthy. My my, I, if I had one word to describe uh, Kill Thomas would be jigsaw. He's just a piece that you could fit anywhere. He's got that offensive score. Mm-hmm. He's got the defensive acumen. He'll play center. He'll play wing. He's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to get in your face. He's not afraid to do anything like this. And then he won the gold medal for Canada. Like he has that high level. Um, he's w- he's willing to rise to the occasion. Is what I'm saying. So, like he would be a sneaky spot too. I, I, I and man, God, I wish I would could stop saying this. Man, can King's prospects just stay healthy? Like that's just kind of what we're there. But it's just that's the name of the game, right? I mean. Yeah. Anybody who's listening is 20% of first rounders make it in the NHL more than 100 games. It's just tough. It's just really tough uh, what we're doing here in the National Hockey League. And there's a chance they just might not. And I I know Kiel's second. He was, what, 50th overall. But he's a very talented player. Like he is a very skilled offensively, defensively. Uh, In the the OHL, he asked to play defense uh, for his team. So, like, he can do it all. Not only that, he's got an effective clothing line. He's a smart, brilliant kid. Uh, but yeah, like he could do. Everything. Like he would be what you would want on the fourth line uh, for that team. So I, I really just think that Akil, hopefully, he gets his cup of coffee. And within those five games, because there's going to be injuries on this team, there's always yep. always mm-hmm. is he can he can dominate in that portion. And back to Turcotte too. I mean, he, he just – he's had a really hard time as it's been beaten to death staying healthy, but he's got 56 points in 91 games. So it's not like he's struggled to produce when he's played. Like he's he's not producing at a, at a bad rate. So I just think if you get this guy healthy and you get him a consistent run of games, man, he he can be somebody that, that chips in. Um, I'll include – we'll talk about Chromiak and Ferriere. Two prospects I think we both like. Chromiak played a much more uh, – he had a more um, full season last year as a rookie in the AHL, 28 points in 55 games, Much known much more as a as a shooter, as a goal scorer. The way I look at this, Randon, and I guess it's important to, to point out players that are um, waiver exempt so they can go up and down freely without any sort of um, – without any sort of fender and per cap friendly um alex turcott is one of those players alex laferriere is one of those players martin chromiak is one of those players um and for whatever the heck it's worth quentin byfield and arthur galley are those players though i don't think either of us are expecting those two to go down now i don't know i don't have a great concern that anybody gets um waived so say hypothetically if Turcotte were to make the team you could be looking at um Akil Thomas Jared Anderson Dolan Sam Figimo if any one or all of those guys gets waived they are exposed and available to the rest of the league I don't know if any of them get picked up maybe a team takes a flyer on a guy like Akil Thomas because of the talent but those injuries are pretty serious so I don't know if you're if you have any thoughts on on that on if you think that will impact any one of the Kings' decisions, i.e., a Turcotte going down, just because they can. It's easier to send him down than it is Figimo 
or Thomas. The Kings have been uh, cautious uh, in some instances. I say weak uh, in their choices of which players. I mean, that's I know that's that's a strong statement, but I think that you look at balls, ball, puck is puck. There are some guys that are just better players, and you're making the decisions based on contracts. And I, I think that um, it's not always correct. What, and I'm, I'm not a GM, and I'm not an evaluator. I, I don't do this for – well, I do it for a living. But I don't do it for – well, I guess I wouldn't say a living. It's, I do it for a sandwich every three months, right? Um, but I, 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 let's just say this. I'm in sales. You know who the top dogs are. You know the people who have the talents are. And when we watch hockey, I watch six minutes of Brant Clark highlights. I know he's the fucking real deal. Excuse my language. And he should be on the roster. But the reason he wasn't on the roster last year was because of contract reasons. And and I will, I will debate that to the end of the earth. And if it happens again this year because the Kings are unwilling to make the hard decisions for the best roster of this team, i.e. Trevor Lewis or whoever, this team is going to lose out. Alex Laferriere has shown high levels of acumen to score the puck. He's defensively sound. He has all the grit. Yes, granted, he could have a year in the AHL and be fine. But what I'm saying is they haven't made the the, uh, decision on any prospect period but they've made the decision to go get other players mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's the way they believe this roster should be but they've never given any prospect a chance outside of quentin byfield with the first line of minutes on the wing so it took a while for them to fall in love with velarde it took a while or a different decision to fall in love with quentin byfield but you look at you look at the why well, I, I guess I would just equate this to the Niners here with Trey Lance. And he had they he had the least amount of quarterback starts for any quarterback since 2001, drafted in the top five. And then you trade him away because you say he's a bust or he can't do it. Well, you give him two and a half games. Like where is where is the Kings prospect here in that? Are you giving them time? Are you letting them adjust to the NHL game? Are you giving them the cup of coffee to say, hey, what do we have here and what we got? Pinelli, Chromiak, all those players can score at every single level they've ever been in. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. And I understand the Kings are trying to win a cup. But it's 82 games. Like, what's five games here, five games there? See what you have here, see what you have there. Because you know what every sport is made of? Players that play above what you expect. And you never know what you can expect from a player unless you play them. And that's where the fourth line comes in. And I know it's only 10 minutes, but we knew from day one that Blake Lazat was a gamer, right? Like as soon as he got that role, he was a gamer. So where is that for the rest of the prospect pool? And that's what I think the fourth line can be for the Kings this year. Obviously, I think Tonka deserves a spot permanently. 
you and I both believe that, but we'll see what T-Mac believes. But that other spot, if Trevor Lewis wasn't there as a rotator that you could mm-hmm. envelop or develop your <clears throat> your prospects to have give them a chance to perform. Yeah, so if I don't disagree with with much of what you're saying. So I think if if Kaliev does make, we'll say he's on one of the top three lines. So we've got Lazat, Grunstrom. There's one, two, three, four, five players for what I'll say are, I'll say three spots, but it might actually only be two because Rob Blake has said they're going to probably have games where they're short short-handed or short staff, right? They're not going to play a full 20. You're not going to carry a full 23 players because of the cap. So if, if it's, it's between Lewis, Anderson, Dolan, Fagimo, Thomas, Turcotte, and the only one of those guys that goes through waivers or can go down without waivers is Turcotte. So I, I don't think it's a difficult decision at all. Um, this is, I, I, Trevor Lewis would be the odd man out for me. And then then you still have a discussion because you still have Turcotte, Thomas, Anderson, Dolan, Fagimo, one for the right wing role on the fourth line and another one for the 13th forward. But then there's still two more that may have to get waived because they can't carry them all. Yeah. So, and that's why for Chromiak and LaFerriere, more so, Lefer- well, Leferia, I think, I have no problem giving him an extended look in Ontario, right? He played only a handful of games last year. He does not need to be, unless, unless he blows the, the doors off in camp. Um, I get it. But I, I, I he can he can have a, a full season in the AHL at 21 years old. It's not going to hurt him. I think that's that's perfectly fine for Leferia. Chromiak, I mean, he, he had somewhat of a productive rookie season. Um, so I think he's at least an interesting name to keep an eye on at camp. Um, but I think if all are healthy, then I think it's it, – I have no problem for them using that, okay, well, we can send him down and let's focus on Thomas, Jod, Fagimo, Turcotte and see what we've got here and then compare them to Lewis. So I'm, I'm okay with the likes of Chromiak, Laferriere. I see Pinelli's name in the chat being in Ontario um, to start the season. Um, but no, I agree. Like I think to, to keep Lewis for what he is at this stage of his career, rather than Tom. So if this was just Lewis versus Thomas or Turcotte, I understand it. Right. Because neither of them have played, neither of them played in NHL really. I mean, Turcotte's had a couple games, but, and neither of them can stay healthy. So obviously you can't just rely on those two guys. But I don't know. Jod and Fagimo have played pretty well in their NHL games. Fagimo's been a productive player in the AHL. I'm not sure what else he's got to do there. Um, Anderson Dolan has shown that he can play at the NHL level. What's wrong with I, – I, to your point, I would have Jod and Fagimo leading that competition for the right wing spot. And Lewis would would he'd be out of the picture for me? Yeah, I, I think I think you have to give other players a chance. Like Jad deserves more minutes for the entire season. Like, is is he in your opinion is he any worse than Trevor Lewis is now? No, that's kind of what that's the point I'm trying to make is is like where Tur- where Thomas and Turcotte you it's a 
big unknown because they just haven't played. I don't think John's that much of an unknown. He's not he's not an all-star, but I'd think at this stage of their careers, they're really close, Anderson Dolan and Lewis. Um and I would have no I would rather waive Lewis than Anderson Dolan. Yeah, I feel you there. I feel you there. All right, dark horse for you on the fourth line. Who makes it? Maybe makes a, a, a splasher in the season. Where are you going with that? Keel Thomas. Okay. If I, like I had to pick it, it's a dark horse. I'd say Keel Thomas. I like it. I like it. So, um, give me one second to make a pick here in my fantasy. I told you. I told you. I'm, I'm going to be here distracted. Um, I see Trapper in the in the chat said that you know Lewis will be the Nate Thompson and role in Ontario. You alluded to that earlier. Maybe I don't know though. I mean, Trevor Lewis has been in the NHL for a long time. What will will he do that? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. Trevor sure. Lewis has a higher pinnacle than Nate Thompson. I that's yeah he does. So I I don't know that. I don't know. Like it's it's. And I'm and I'm not I'm not bashing on Trevor Lewis and what he no, has to bring the team. No. Maybe maybe. Maybe T Mac and the organization's like, hey, like he can, he can give value to the fourth line. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And, and I, and it's not to say that he doesn't have anything to give or he hasn't a good career. It's just you have so many players that need time in the National Hockey League to get games. Like you could like all the names that you said that could go down and come up. That's free free game experience. Right, the Kings obviously everybody knows cash strapped. Right, they don't have the extra players that are just sitting in the press box. They have to cycle those guys in. If you had, like, I would rather have a Turcotte, Chromiak, Fagimo, uh, an, another player that you mentioned, Akil Thomas, cycle going on on that that wing all season long until you found somebody that was willing to answer the bell rather than a uh, Trevor Lewis. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I agree. And it's like, I'll say this though. I mean, that's obviously our opinion, but all that said, I just find it hard to believe that they signed him to waive him and, and, and to, to, that yeah. they would. so I, I, I am penciling him into fourth line wing role right now you are all right. but i mean it's not what i would do i right. yeah i, I would I, yeah i, I am too they, because he they signed him for a reason they, they, they signed him i think i it, you know it's 775 it's not as if it's something that they couldn't move on from and i don't know what those conversations are like and i this is all guessing obviously but i just think that i think they signed him he's that veteran guy they're a team that's looking to take the next step I can see the whole narrative around veteran cup winner getting back in the locker room. I can see that whole thing. And they, I see that I can see the Kings seeing value in that for whatever that's worth. Well, I mean, I, I see value in everything that the, that we see volume of. I, I know that it's going to be, we're, we're in a good position. We're arguing about the fourth line here. We're arguing about one mm-hmm. wing of the fourth line. So the Kings are in a good spot. Um, do you think, be, do you think Rundstrom's a shoe in though for, for like, I got, I, 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 I would do the guy. So the guy just immaculate everything he does. And, <laughs> and 
you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Tonka fan. I've always been a Tonka fan. Um, in the Kings podcast that I made before I was in hockey royalty, I would say it, it wasn't even a podcast. It was one episode. Uh, but I thought that that Grunsha could be a 40 point scorer, you know, and like he is that type of player. And I, I just, he just can shoot. He can, he can hit, he can assist. Like, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't want him on the fourth line. Yeah. And I think the reason that his name kind of came up here and there um, as maybe somebody that's on the way out is simply because of his, his money. I mean, his 1.3 is the most um, of anybody in this fourth line discussion uh, other than, other than Lazat. Um, you know, obviously Anderson Dolan is at 775, Lewis 775. And then you've got the guys in Ontario all under a million. So, you know, I, I think um, that's where that was coming from. But I, I think there's also been this 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 conversation that, that Grunstrom is just not cutting it. And I know I've been a part of that sometimes. But, man, like we talked about earlier, he's he's been pretty effective. Yeah. Well, appreciate you guys in the chat. You guys have been gangbusters tonight, you know, going back and forth. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys here at Hockey Royalty. You can find all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. You can find us here on Twitter, or as they call it now, X, at, ho- at undersc- Hockey underscore Royalty, at Rena Commando 24 at NHL Russell, at JW Paterino, at Kopitar 4 ohf And then if you want to play some bets, DraftKings got you. At code THPN. Again, that's THPN for draft codes there or draft kings. Sorry. Um, we're always coming out with new stuff. I appreciate that. And you know, I'm a Grundy fan, Tonka fan to the end. Buy that 91 jersey. Buy that 91 jersey. Uh Trapper saying, Hey, draft that Tyree Kill. I missed out. I missed out. My first two picks, if anybody wants to know, it's a keeper league, but my first two picks was Bijan and Eckler. So uh, you know, went went deep there with the running backs early. My keepers are Josh Allen in the 14th round and Cooper Cup in the eighth. So, you know, okay. got I got those, I got the guys in, you good. know, when they were deep there, you know. So uh appreciate you guys there. Always coming here for the chat. We love you guys. And as always on this podcast, go Kings Go.